This is Ever Present, an Eden Project podcast, equipping you to connect deeply with God, yourself, and others. Welcome to the Ever Present podcast. This is Duke Rivard, the Eden Project. Uh, the Ever Present podcast is a is an ongoing conversation about what does it take uh, to be a human being in the world who is capable of deep connection and relationship, and we believe it. We actually need to have a theology of emotion. We need to have a more uh, holistic anthropology to understand the interior life of all humans, not exceptional humans, uh, all humans, all the time in every culture, time, and place, have the same insights. And if we, we can get more acquainted with the way God designed us, we can actually learn how to show up and connect in relationship. We can connect like David did in the Psalms. We can connect with one another in deep fellowship and have more together if we get some clarity around emotion. And so I'm thankful to be joined by Todd Wormers and Phil Herndon from Tin Man Ministries. Uh, this Tin Man, if, if you don't know about it, you can go to their website, uh, at, you know, Google Tin Man Ministries, you'll find it. Um, they do a phenomenal job of walking with leaders to really find their heart. Uh, the Tin Man didn't know he had a heart in the, in the story of the Wizard of Oz, but discovered later that he did and, and actually was able to show up and, and, and be himself in relationship. And so Tin Man, really, you guys are some of the best in the world at helping people do that. And if, I've personally started working with you guys about five years ago and have built on that for many, many years based on the skills. So I'm just super thankful for who you are in the kingdom, for the ways you're serving so many people, and excited to have this conversation. So uh, today we're going to talk about the, the experience of gladness. So some people will look at the, the eight core emotions and they'll say, hey, that's the only positive one. All the other ones are really negative. Uh, <laughs> why is there only one that's positive? But yeah. Uh, that's gladness uh, in their mind, which that's a misconception we could talk about. Um, but uh, let's start with with you, Todd. What am I experiencing when I experience glad? Yeah, gladness is an outcome of the other seven feelings. So in order to have gladness, you must have walked through one or all of the other seven without, without you know, the, the shame, the hurt, the, the sadness, the, the guilt. You'll never be able to get to, to gladness. So it's in essence, it's the tip of the iceberg and everything else underneath the waters is the one thing that's pushing the, this up. So um, I think so many people, if, if Phil and I combined the number of times we've gotten that quote, like, yeah, mm-hmm. we would be millionaires. Mm-hmm. We could support your ministry, our ministry, and mm-hmm. everyone else's ministry based on that. But it, it really is that place of so many people don't want to do the other seven. They just want to get to gladness. And so, yeah, th- this podcast I think will really be helpful to say, man, what are what are you willing to do, and what are you not willing to do in order to, I would say, live fully to have that joy that God offers to us. But you have to do the other seven deeply and fully. Yeah, that's helpful, Phil. How do you define gladness for someone who's trying to put language or to that mm-hmm. experience? <clears throat> really, a definition of gladness. I, I think, in addition to what Todd says, it it, it we need to to know what it isn't. Uh, gladness is not a reward. Gladness really isn't even a goal. Gladness, Todd used the word outcome right on. Gladness is an outcome. Gladness is a result of living fully in relationship. And part of my background is right across about 40 miles from here. I've been a pastor for several years, and we had a fairly significant uh, number of senior adults in our church. And so I did, I did, and I'll say the word privilege, I had the privilege of doing a lot of funerals. I did a lot of visitations around those funerals, and and I would sit, and here's what would happen. The person who was left behind, so to speak, who who whose spouse had died, we would go and 
we would sit in the living room usually and spend about an hour and a half or so just telling stories. And one minute we were crying and one minute we were laughing. The next minute we were just in between. But what happened in those in those uh, that hour and a half or two hours was running up and down this chart that we have, uh, hurt and sadness and it was an opportunity for some people to make confession of things that, that had happened in that home that no one else knew about, and nor will they ever, because I'm not going to tell it either. But there, you know, there were, and so all these really uh, just pathos, not just the pathos of the grief they were experiencing, but all the life they had lived together and talking about that out loud. And I can't think of a single time I've ever left a house of someone like that that they did not say, I'm so glad you were here. A part of it is a southern nicety of, I'm glad you came, Pastor. I understand that. And at the same time, there was a depth of that gladness that could have only come from that hour and a half or two hours of of walking around in all of these feelings. And then there was a gladness that their heart had been attended to by God, for sure, by me and by them, mostly, telling the story. And so having all those feelings out loud about sometimes— 65 years of life with someone they had lived with and all the stories that come from that. Well, those stories have feelings all over them. And so gladness is really this experience that comes out of living life fully relationally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so helpful. Um, yeah. Is there a wrong way to be glad? I mean, we, we, we say it's the only positive one, uh, but we've been talking throughout the list of impairments and a broken, unrelational way of processing an experience or emotion. Um, most maybe have thought, hey, glad is always good. There's no bad in glad, trying to be a cheesy rhyme. But uh, what is the impairment of gladness? Is there, a, is there a broken way to do or a derelationalized way to do gladness? Yeah, I think the way would, we would call it sensuality without heart, trying to stimulate the body, stimulate the heart, to, but actually not do it from the heart. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's really four ways of doing that. So the first way of to, to do stimulation of the heart or sensuality without heart without her skin. So that's where, again, I, I'm not like, I'm never going to jump out of a plane with a parachute or rock climb without a rope, but that's a way we stimulate it. To, a, a general junkies is what we used to call them. So that okay. would be the first way. Like people sure. are just like, man, pushing, 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 pushing to achieve gladness, but it's really just Endor- like endorphin release right, through something right. extreme. That's Even things like secrets, affairs, um, miss, you know, excessive working out, anything that stimulates the nervous system. Yeah. Okay. The, the other way would be uh, through the general sex. So, and again, we'll get this. I'll let Phil share more about this. But, you know, you, you're looking for intensity versus intimacy when you're doing it with sex. So for me, that, that was my drug of choice. It's like, man, I, I had to achieve that intimacy, but I was tricking the brain with intensity through lust really and all these are lust like when we think about lust in the bible like lust just isn't sex but for me that that's the primary place and then there was intellect or the brain right i think this is again the pharisees this is you know a lot of theologians like man if i can just stimulate my brain be smarter and read more or just stimulate my brain that's a way to do it and you're again you're bypassing the heart going right to the head and then the last one is stomach so like food uh, those kind of things. So, and then I'll let Phil share. You can also withhold from those things. So I'll, I'll let sh- Phil share about the withholding of those pieces. So all of those, though, are you're, you're seeking pleasure apart from relationship? That's right. Is that, is that kind of what, mm-hmm. the summary? That's okay. right. Yeah. You're really seeking stimulation that ends up being pleasurable, but it's being pleasurable 
in those parts of the nervous system and in the brain that speaks to power. Um, I, I went through a season. I had had morbid obesity due to just the gorging of food for comfort, as Todd mentioned, of using my belly uh, to make myself okay. And then I found this magical formula to get more attention and more power by not eating at all. So I moved in the season of anorexia. I lost over 100 pounds in 10 months uh, due to restrictive eating. And so belly doesn't mean just comfort food like this part of the country, you know, in the South with all the carbs and stuff, what we call comfort food or ice cream. But it also has to do with using my belly to get power that simulates it through stimulation, simulates gladness pleasure. And so it's a really important distinction uh, to make around that. And we can use our intellects to figure life out. Mm -hmm. It does include reading and those kind of things, but it can also be, I'm just going to figure this out and I'm going to restrict my eating or overeat, do that in sexual expression of different kinds. And then all the skin stimulation, gambling addictions, a big skin stimulation, for Mm -hmm. example. The rush. Mm -hmm. And so we will often, akin to what we're Todd and I are talking about is People will often say, you know, one way to get to gladness is to find my passion. And if I'm looking for my passion, I guarantee you we're going to find our passion in one, two, three, or four of those ways of stimulation. But passion is what begins living, movement, clarity toward toward life. And seeking, finding my passion outside of me is going to end up in one of those four places. And that often is seen as, man, I'm I'm really glad when when I'm hiking. Well, if hiking is used in order to stimulate my skin, the cardio, the sweat, the whatever else, if that's being used to get me away from something, that's stimulation. If hiking brings me closer to my recognition of the grandeur of God, my neediness, my dependence on Him, that's a whole other thing. But that's coming from internal, not looking for passion out here. Okay. It often gets mistaken for gladness. Okay. Yeah. What happens if I live in that sensuality without heart for decades? Okay. And I never get off that track. I never process gladness in a in a relational way. How does that end? We Chip coined a phrase called empty tragedy. We would just sometimes call it emptiness. And uh we've talked about that a lot of times. We treated a lot of guys and we see a lot of people at, at Tin Man with this is just Kind of like we used to say, you know, I, I got to the top of the ladder and it was leaning against the wrong building. It's like, no, man, it's worse. It, it's not against a building at all. It's just more ladder, like <laughs> not anything up there. So empty tragedy is getting to the to the end of life and saying, I really don't have anything to show other than the stimulation of these one, two, three, or four places just empty and it's tragic. And now it's over and I got nothing to show. A great example, you know, who knows if it's true or not, but historians, some historians have reported that Alexander the Great at 33 years old was found in his tent weeping because there were no more empires to conquer. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, okay, I just kind of peaked and there's nothing else here because everything was outside of him. It was all just accomplishment and he had accomplished it. It's empty tragedy. No relationship. Yeah, that's good. Well, what's the, what's the positive side? I mean, I'm experiencing gladness. But I, I'm I'm willing to do it in relationship. What what's that path look like? What do I do with it? Yeah, I think this is uh, what what do we do with it? We bring it to other people, and I think this is where the need comes into. So the need and the gift is, you know, about celebration. You know, I, our discussion right before the podcast is so helpful. Uh, thinking about there is such a need for celebration, and yet such uh, a void of that in our society. And um, 
So being celebrated is the place of most fulfillment and surrounding yourself with people that are willing to celebrate you. You know, I, I think that's that when I look back in my journey and my story, I had no celebration. I can't remember one place of celebration. I, I don't remember. I mean, I have moments of smaller stories of, you know, shame, but my, even my story's not riddled with a shame story. There's big, big moments of shame, but I don't remember one attaboy. I don't remember one great shot. I don't remember, but I also don't, I don't have to remember uh, you should have done better either. I, I had void of any kind of celebration at all in my life. And uh, that's what drove me to like, man, I've got to find this place of celebration. And uh, that, that is what sensuality with, without heart will do. It will stimulate, it did stimulate that place of being celebrated by someone on a screen or mm. um, so. Yeah. Yeah. As you say that, I'm, Thinking of one of the um, one of the descriptors of a of a mentor is sometimes somebody who's just celebrating the person that they're um, they're pouring into. Like they're they're seeing the wins along the way and they're making a big deal about it. Oh my gosh, you just did it! Almost like a, a parent with the the kid that walks for the first time and it's just like you did you realize what you just did? <laughs> uh, and sometimes a mentor is doing that, right? That's yeah. like the only person that stopped and actually marked developmental things in my journey or big wins that happened and was actually just celebrating. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was like, okay, cool. Next. What have you done for me lately? Next. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do now? How are you going to build on that? You know, and, or whatever the, whatever the environment was. Um, but, but also on the, on the flip side, we, we talked about this a little bit before we got started. Uh, sometimes you find out who your friends are by who rejoices with you when you're mm-hmm. rejoicing, right? When the good thing happens, yeah. they're just as excited or more than you are. And you're like, oh, this person is really winning. When I'm winning, they're winning. When I'm winning, they're, they're happy. And then you have a couple of folks maybe when something good happens to you, they're actually not happy for you. And even sometimes in our families of origin or something, you might say something good happened to me and they weren't happy for me. And I find out that maybe we were competing with one another when I thought we were just doing fellowship yeah. with one another. And so it's, it can be an exposing emotion when we It really it. can. And to kind of further this understanding for listeners, viewers around the, how gladness is an outcome, just pay attention to people who can celebrate well with other people or people who have a rich emotional life because much of what happens when this competitive thing comes in is scarcity. Like these resources of feeling great or living fully with someone, it's scarce. And so if I'm not taking care of myself, then then no one's going to do it for me or with me. And so my friend Duke is celebrating something happens inside of me. And I jump over here to these impairments and go, well, I'm, I can't join that. I'm lonely. Now Duke's going to be ahead of me, so I'm lonely with him, so I'm apathetic. With self-pity, I start pouting. Like, Nothing ever could happen. I mean, Duke's ship came in. I was at the airport. Like, it's awful, you know, and all these down here. So if I'm in, if I'm not feeling my own feelings consistently, it's going to feel like I'm going to have anxiety around something being taken from me because resources are scarce. Emotional resources are scarce. So if Duke celebrates, and this is an amazing thing happened to him, then that necessarily takes away from me if I'm living in the survival place of these impairments. Mm. So it's a there's only so many pieces of pie. Mm-hmm. Duke just got one, so now there's less of a chance that there's going to be enough for me to go around. Exactly right. Yeah, but when we think about the gospel and we think about God who has all the resources, uh, who is infinitely generous, yeah, that's just a totally different mm-hmm. worldview. Like mm-hmm. His love is not 
limited. We we see from Ephesians three that uh, it's it, we're supposed to know it and yet relationally know it, uh, but the height, depth, width, and breadth of the love of God is actually unknowable. We can't get to the bottom of the yeah. resource that is the love of God, and so that's the good news in the gospel. We don't, and, and in who our God is, is that we don't actually have to play tug of war to see who's going to get the love. <laughs> right. It's like there's more than enough to uh-huh. go around, mm-hmm. and so we can celebrate all the time. Uh, that's not taking away from us to actually yes. see something good and call it good and to celebrate with somebody yes. who's who's experiencing that. Um, yeah, that's really great. Uh, let's talk about the gift because you guys sometimes will talk about joy with sadness, and a lot of people will be like, well, "What's that about?" I thought I thought this was the good one. Now we're here in sadness. <laughs> uh, what is joy with sadness, Todd? That that we need to understand as we're experiencing gladness. Well, I think it goes back to you know if you're experiencing all the other ones, like there's a joy in that, but there's going to be a, uh, you know you couple that with a loss. And I, I remember sitting in treatment and being like, "What is he talking about?" Phil keeps saying joy and sadness. Like I just want the joy. Give me joy, man. Give me the joy piece. But it's like, oh, when I and I then I when I had I wouldn't hadn't didn't have kids at the time, uh, but I remember having I didn't have her. Obviously, Jenny had her. Uh, Tennyson, our oldest, and I remember holding her for the first time, and you know, just overwhelmed with joy. But I felt these tears just coming down my face, and I'm like, man. But I remembered in that moment, like, man, God's given me this great gift of a daughter. And now she's going to live in this scary world. And it's like all those emotions came over at me at once. I, I remember thinking to myself as I held her, I was like, goes back to my dad. I was like, I wish my dad was here to celebrate with me. So I'm able to hold her with joy and sadness and loneliness that my own dad wasn't able to be a part of the journey with me. And so just, again, again, I think for me personally, I want to do the joy piece. I just don't want to do the sadness piece. It, and when I get there, that's I'm back in the impairment. So it's going back to like, okay, I, am I willing to feel the other seven? Am I willing to sit in the other seven in order to experience something greater than that, which I'm even sitting in, which is the joy piece? That's, okay. how, that's how I would define it. Okay. Yeah. So it's something about like, I have this good thing, but it's still in an environment that, that is broken and it. Maybe some of it, it has threats. It could be harmed or it could be taken. It could be lost. <laughs> we said that you said earlier on the sadness episode that every person we love, that relationship will be lost until mm-hmm. resurrection. Yes. That's the good news of the new heavens and new earth and mm-hmm. resurrection. Mm-hmm. But until then, uh, every every baby that we hold uh, will become an adult who will at some point die before or after us. There's, there's yes. that. It's so good and it can be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's, there's a, there's a world we live in that is not perfect. And that goes back, we've mentioned it in several of these episodes, Duke. It goes back to, I think Todd brought it up originally early on, but Ecclesiastes 3, part of eternity in our hearts is painful to say, you know what, when Tennyson is born or these wonderful things happen and I feel this joy, it's like, here's what I know in, internally. It hasn't always been this way. It's not going to stay this way. Like this broken world we talk about, like it, it, we're we're guaranteed to when we experience joy, because all these feelings become operative. That's what we talked earlier. This this ever present open app of sadness is like this is wonderful and fantastic, and and we know that ultimately uh, I'm not made since Genesis three. I'm not made in such a way that this is. I, all I get to do is feel this because everything in my humanness is lost. 
Yeah, that's so good. So I'm on vacation in, in Colorado, and the temperature's perfect in the summer, but I know I'm going to get back in the car and drive back to Texas. It's going to be 105 and humid, and that's coming. That's <laughs> 11 p.m. <laughs> exactly. So, true. so it's not going to last forever. So yeah, what, is it, what does it look like to be a part of a celebrating community or a celebrating family? So uh, we've, got a, we've got a family that knows how to do gladness well together in relationship. What, is it, what does it feel like to be a part of communities like that? I think it starts fundamentally with um, everyone's willingness to allow all of it to be part of the celebration. Like some people will say, and I, I know of a situation, there was a really great, uh, it was actually someone graduating medical school, and um, there was a, I think you call it a spoken rule. Uh, the grandfather of the graduate from medical school had passed away recently. And there was a rule, like, we're just going to celebrate today, and no one's going to talk about him not being here. He also was a physician. Okay. We're not going to talk about him being here. And, like, well, that's really not a real celebration because mm. we got this rule all of a sudden that I can't celebrate fully, mm. which includes a sadness like, man, I wish yeah. he was here. He was a doctor himself, and I'm the third doctor in a long line of these physicians yeah. in this town. And that's an example of that, like, true celebration as a community, whether it's a family, a community group, a church, the church, universal, to say, we're going to allow for all of this. If you have something in the midst of our celebration that, that, that you feel a burden about or you're sad about or you have a hurt or whatever, like, all, all that's welcome in what we're doing here. Yeah. We're going to eat ice cream, and we may cry, too, but yeah. we're going to celebrate. That's beautiful, because— Honestly, as you described the, you, the rules around you can't be sad today because today's a happy day, uh, that restrictive, controlling environment is a kind of phony positivism. Mm-hmm. Like today's going to be one of those positive days, so nobody <laughs> say anything negative. But what I'm hearing you guys describe is that because gladness sits on the other emotions, the most honest way to express it is to say, hey, this really beautiful thing's happening. And wouldn't Grandpa, who died, who we miss, mm-hmm. oh, let's feel that for a second. Yeah. Wouldn't he have been so proud today Man. for his granddaughter? Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't diminish the day, actually. It's like, no, like we miss him, but we're still so glad. And then she's reflecting on how much he loved her mm-hmm. and celebrated her. And so she's not losing mm-hmm. something by na- noticing and naming that. Yes. Uh, that's just the honest truth of of what's real and what's true. And so I love that. That's helpful and even instructive for me to say, hey, uh, we don't need to come in and uh, I was almost thinking of Clark W. Griswold and Christmas Vacation. He's trying to craft the, the perfect Chris- <laughs> family Christmas and stuff goes wrong. It's just like it's the real world. Uh, and so it's okay that stuff goes wrong while we come together sure. for the celebration, uh-huh. right? And that's just the honest truth about life together. So let's not manage it and control it. Let's live it. Let's live into the fullness of it. Yeah. What else would you add to that? What What does it feel like? How, or, or, or Todd, are there any pathways, things that we can do to contribute to a community that knows how to celebrate well? Yeah, I think Phil said it what best, right? I think I've got to pay attention to me, what's going on in me, when I'm noticing what's going on in them for their good, mm-hmm. right? I, I can remember one of my best friends, closest friends, uh, we'd been texting throughout the, you know, 24 hours before we texting, he played professional baseball. And uh, I was supposed to be, he was like, man, I want you to come to my first game. Well, he got called up early and uh, get called up early. And I'm on a flight between Nashville and Fort Myers. And uh, so I'm not in the loop to watch his his first at bat. So all my friends are gathered in Fort Myers, all cheering on our buddy. And I'm sitting on a flight. 
I land in Atlanta, my phone, and my phone, as soon as I opened it, uh, it was just like ding, 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 ding. And I remember sitting there and I, it said the guy's name. And in a moment, I was, I was really, really raging that I wasn't at the game or I wasn't with my friends. And the story ends, his first pitch he ever saw, he uh, hit a grand slam home run <laughs> in Fenway Park, the first thing he ever saw. And I had that moment, like, all of my friends are celebrating, and I wanted to go to self-pity that I was sitting on a plane. Oh, huge foam. And I was, yes, <laughs> and I was sitting on a plane like, I'm not going to celebrate. Hmm. I'm going to refuse to celebrate. I'm going to refuse to send out a text. Like, and I, I had to be like, Man, what's going on in me? Mm-hmm. Like, that was more about me than it was about him. And so, and it goes back to like, dang, I've never been celebrated like that before. Like, no one's ever like blown my phone up or blown everyone's phone up about what Todd's doing. So I I think it's just really paying attention to what's going on in you when you watch other people be celebrated. Yeah, that's so good. You even talked about the scarcity, right? Yeah. And so if, um, if I'm experiencing the love of God, if I'm experiencing his singing over me, rejoicing over me with singing, his delight in me. I can be delighted for others without feeling like it's diminishing me in the process. Uh, and that, that kind of a community, that kind of a family, honestly, is more honest. Uh, there's more truth there. Uh, that's less competitive. It feels safer. Um, it feels like you can actually experience the fullness of the good and the bad uh, in more truth and in more community. And uh, honestly, I, some of the, the ways in which my friendships have been the deepest is when I can tell somebody really is mm-hmm. happy for me. Buddy, right over there, Nathan Wagnon has been one of those friends to me that I can see on his face. He's excited for me when something good happens, mm-hmm. and you just have more together. And I've had other people that, man, I, I don't feel that, and <laughs> and it, you have less together, uh, and you realize, oh wow, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you as as a listener to to really lean into your gladness, uh, to take it into relationship, uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and invite others to rejoice with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, uh, don't don't diminish the good things that are happening. Um, and also, uh, don't don't celebrate them in a central way uh, as an isolated hedonist. And yeah. just one more thing that you said, <clears throat> Romans twelve, like what makes the rejoicing with those who rejoice so much sweeter is weeping when they weep. Mm. What a backdrop for rejoicing! Yeah, do both. Mm-hmm. You've got to do both. That's that's honest anthropology. That's being a real human being in the real world and. And that's really what this whole series has been about. I want to thank you guys as we wrap up the last episode. So really fitting in uh, to everything we've talked about is really to show up honestly in the real stuff of life with what you're experiencing in your interior life. Let someone else show up. And as you do that together, the deep fellowship and relationship that you have, and then we do that with God. It looks a lot like praying the Psalms. It looks a lot like Jesus in Gethsemane who knew how to show up with his Father and tell the truth, even when it was pretty messy, mm. even when he's asking him to change the plan, mm-hmm. or he's on the cross saying, why have you forsaken me? Um, he's still showing up, and he's mm-hmm. showing us as a model, this is what you do. This is what a human does mm-hmm. in a fallen world. And it's not exceptional. It's not rare. It's not weird. It's not weak. It's just human. Mm-hmm. And we're made this way, and we're made for this. And so uh, this podcast is just an invitation to that for you. Um, I, I have healthy anger for everyone in the audience to experience <laughs> the things we've been talking about. Uh, there's a lot uh, more coming around ever present in this entire theme at the Eden Project. Um, I think some of you may have said, hey, I think I might need to check in with Tin Man. I need to take a step towards really finding my heart 
because my family of origin maybe didn't train me to do this. I don't know how to do this. And maybe the church I've been a part of doesn't know how to do this. And I just want to say, hey, you are a human being. You were made for this. And there is a path forward for you to live in deep connection uh, with God, self, and others. Uh, the Eden Project, Ten Man Ministries, we're all about mm-hmm. this together in collaboration and, and as yes. ministries getting after this in the world. And uh, we believe it's important. We believe that uh, there's so much uh, here for people that we're excited about the, the community and, and, mm-hmm. and fellowship they're going to experience as they mm-hmm. courageous. It takes emotional courage mm-hmm. to step into this stuff. Yes, it does. And uh, we're, we're hopeful that we'll take those steps. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Ever Present Podcast. If this resource has been helpful to you, we would ask that you share it with your friends. Leave a comment on the podcast platform and help get this resource into the hands of other people. If you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at podcast at edenteam.org. And now as you go throughout the rest of your day, just remember that God's posture toward you is strong, persistent, and positive. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.